This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Oh Them Bones, and Craig. Chapter 1. politics program my name is justin robert young live in austin texas and i gotta tell you folks this episode is about one thing the high stakes game of chicken in the house as kevin mccarthy seeks to become speaker for the second time he hasn't been speaker once he has now tried twice standing between him As the voting began, was anywhere between 5 and 12 no votes. The confirmed, Representative Matt Gates of Florida, Andy Biggs of Arizona, Bob Good of Virginia, Matt Rosendale of Montana, and Ralph Norman of South Carolina. And indeed, other opposition began to bubble up before the votes were taken. All of it in service of this simple question. Will a vote for Speaker of the House go beyond the first ballot. Now, various elements of Congress jockeying against each other before a Speaker vote is nothing new. Indeed, these moments are often sort of a theater for what is to come. Who's going to be a pain in your butt? Who's going to be hard to whip? Who is feeling like it's their turn in the spotlight? But the mark of a speaker is getting their own people in line. And indeed, since Kevin McCarthy has the exact same margin of error that Nancy Pelosi had in the previous Congress, he's going to have to do what Pelosi has done in the past. Win the gavel. The rules to becoming Speaker of the House are simple. On January 3rd, the beginning of the Congress, the House comes to quorum, meaning the minimum number of members are present to proceed. This comes back in a second, so hold on to that. The Speaker nominee for each party will be read aloud by their respective leaders before a roll call vote to elect a new Speaker. The clerk then appoints lawmakers from each party as tellers to tally the votes. The candidate to become speaker needs a majority of votes from the House members who are present in voting. Historically, the magic number that you need to become speaker is 218 out of 435 members of the House. However, 
that's not set in stone. Remember, I pointed out that quorum is the minimum number of members to proceed. So in previous speaker elections, including outgoing Nancy Pelosi, they have ascended to Speaker of the House with fewer votes than 218 because some members vote present instead of calling out a name. Every lawmaker voting present lowers the overall tally needed to reach a majority. Dear friends, we are starting off 2023 hot because what we witnessed beginning Tuesday afternoon, East Coast time, is high drama. And before we get to the blow-by-blow, I need to explain to you how we got here. The last time that a battle within parties led to more than one ballot. The emergence of Kevin McCarthy on the national stage, his previous run for speaker that ended at the hands of conservatives and aided by a cable news gaffe and a secret scandal. And then, of course, the main event, Kevin McCarthy's wild ride as the 118th Congress begins with a confusing bang. But first... Shade of sorrow when my heart was pure and free. Sure to hail each coming morrow when that calm bitch by the sea. In the calm. That is Frank Fairfield performing the hit song Cottage by the Sea by John Rogers Thomas. It's a real bop. Oh, you haven't heard of it? Well, it is the most popular song in the United States in the year 1856. Yes, the the real year of our Lord in the United States, 1856. Not a random Yellowstone prequel, but maybe Cottage by the Sea will make a comeback because it was between 1855 and 1856 that Congress took two months to name a speaker on the 163rd ballot, no less. Indeed, it took the House that long as a sign of factionalism then existing in the House. More than 21 individuals initially vied for the Speaker's post when the members first gathered in December. And eventually the House finally chose Representative Banks by a vote of 103 to 100 over Representative William Aiken of South Carolina. Banks, a member of the Nativist American or Know Nothing Party and the Free Soil Party, served a term as Speaker. Yeah, it was a wild time back then. There's some real issues the country had to resolve. You know, like the like Civil, Civil War, War, which began only a few years later. The last time that the House of Representatives went to a second ballot for Speaker was 1923. It took nine ballots and three days before the House re-elected Speaker Frederick Gillett, Republican 
from Massachusetts. But maybe that was just a confusing era. You know, since we were just killing time between World War One, which ended in 1918, and World War Two, which started in 1939. But we haven't gone to a second ballot since then, until Tuesday. Just to catch you up, in the intervening years, we have made a few upgrades to this old bird. Up to and including the television, the computer, the microwave oven, the ballpoint pen, the jet engine, the credit card, the pacemaker, the microwave, the frozen food, the computer mouse, barcodes, cell phones, personal computers, the automated teller machine, DVDs, MP3 players, digital cameras, GPS, Blu-ray discs, flat panel TVs, touchscreen phones, tablet computers, 3D printers, the smartwatch, drones, virtual assistants, self-driving cars, smart home devices, virtual reality headsets, hoverboards, smart suitcases, the hybrid car, folding phones, e-scooters, electric bikes, air taxis, wearable fitness trackers, smart thermostats, smart locks, video doorbells, smart sprinklers, smart home security systems, smart smoke detectors, smart garage door openers, smart light switch, smart pet feeder, smart air purifier, smart doorbell, smart kitchen appliances, smart pool cleaner, and micro machines. And yet, as the sun rose on what should have been the dawning of a new Congress, January 3rd, 2023, history threatened again. A quick reminder on the rules of Congress. If you don't have a speaker, you can't swear anyone in. You can't make committees. You certainly can't pass bills. You can't do anything. So how do we get here? Who's at the center of all this? Two words. Kevin McCarthy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is indeed a new year and we hope it is a new you. If you are not a patron to this program, because not only like we tell you each and every week at the $3 level, Are you going to get two bonus episodes of this podcast each and every week? And folks, I don't know if you have paid attention to the weather lately, but we actually have some stuff to talk about for the next two years. Now's the time to get on board. Of course, if you want to be a part of the Titanic $10 tier, you can also do that. But we do have a big announcement. It's not going to happen this episode. It will happen in future episodes. And that is, we're adding ads to the free feed. They're going to be programmatic ads. It's a very easy process for me. I can turn on the button. The ads happen. Look, this will always be a free podcast for you guys. I will always be able to get out a free program. That's how I was made. That's how I will live. However, it is a little bit of extra income In a world where I'm going to have to do a lot of traveling, especially in 2024. So hopefully you guys understand that and understand that at any level on the Patreon, you get an ad free feed. In our big tent level, in our bonus content level, no matter what, if you're on the Patreon, you get a free and clean feed of ads, except for the ones that we do here, which is just, this is kind of like my bulletin board. TakePoliticsSeriously.com if you would like to join those who already support this program. And now, back to the story of Kevin McCarthy. Politics, politics. 
as chairman of the Young Republicans National Federation, Kevin McCarthy of Bakersfield, California. Here's Kevin in simpler times, the 2000 Republican National Convention. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I have an important announcement. Al Gore did not invent the internet. Well, we all got to start somewhere, right? And Kevin McCarthy took his steps to the California Assembly. Here he is speaking with students, high school students in his district. This is Holly Walker. What did you let her in? Uh, song, which is like dance. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Since it's St. Patrick's Day, can you dance, Irish? <laughs> hey! And it was in 2006 that he first made his way to the House of Representatives. I'm pleased now to recognize uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, the ranking member of Elections Commission of the House Administration Committee. And uh, we'd, we'd like to invite you for any opening remarks, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I appreciate you having this joint hearing today. And uh, Kevin McCarthy, you know, like many congressmen, is ambitious. Start, Chairman, he is, you know, at least on the congressional scale, young. And he proves himself to be a very, very, very talented money raiser. That's something that has Speaker of the House written all over it. But then there was that one mysterious time. Yeah. That time that seven years ago, Kevin McCarthy looked like he was going to be Speaker of the House. John Boehner had been run out of town. The spot was empty. So why not him? He even announced that he was going to run for it. But just as quickly... Yeah, I messed up with that. You said at 8 a.m. that you were going to run for the speakership. Why change at, at noon? What happened in those four hours? You know, I'll take it from here, Kev. Three things happened. Number one, uh, foreshadowing that borders on spoilers, he was opposed by the Freedom Caucus. So he did not have the votes. At that point, he decided that discretion being the better part of valor, he's going to walk it back. Number two, he was publicly damaged by the fact that he went on Sean Hannity's program a few weeks earlier to make his case for being the Speaker of the House. And in making that case, he said something that at the time, quaint though it is these days, was shockingly obscene. He said that he would weaponize House committees for political purposes. The question you want, the question I think you really want to ask me is, how am I going to be different? What are you going to see differently? I love how you ask my questions, but go ahead. That was one of my questions. Go right ahead. Well, I knew you'd want to ask it. What you're going to see is a conservative speaker that takes a conservative Congress that puts a strategy to fight and win. And let me give you one example. Everybody thought Hillary Clinton was unbeatable, right? But we put together a Benghazi special committee, a select committee. What are her numbers today? Her numbers are dropping. Why? Because she's untrustable. But no one would have known any of that had happened had we not I agree. And that's all that the public knew. Behind the scenes, there was a spicy 
spicy secret making its way into the inboxes of various different Republicans who were being swayed one way or another to vote. Oh, baby. An affair between Kevin McCarthy and another congresswoman, Renee Elmers. GOP Representative Walter Jones added fuel to the fire. This is from a uh, article recounting all of this, that he issued a letter calling for candidates to withdraw for the race for speaker if, quote, there were any misdeeds he had committed since joining Congress that would embarrass himself, the Republican conference and the House of Representatives if they became public. Jones later confirmed that this was inspired by a blog post he had read insinuating that McCarthy and Elmer's had, you know, done it. McCarthy changed his mind on pursuing the speakership within a matter of hours, making the case for his candidate at an early morning meeting and then saying he was dropping up by noon. That's the clip that we just played. A conservative activist known for flooding lawmakers inbox had been emailing many top Republicans about the affair rumor. And according to the Huffington Post, he sent an email that morning with the subject line, Kevin, why not resign like Bob Livingston? Bob Livingston, once a representative, quickly withdrew his bid to be speaker and resigned in 98 after acknowledging an affair. And so McCarthy waits. Paul Ryan comes in. Nancy Pelosi comes in. And then... All the cards fall his way. He's the leader of the party. He is presiding over the Republicans retaking the House. He has spent the last seven years doing his best to ingratiate himself amongst the rabble rousers that sank his last campaign for speaker. Included among them, Jim Jordan and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Brings us back to today. The vote. Can he secure it on the first ballot? The morning began with some sharp elbows. Dan Crenshaw going off on the people that were recalcitrant against solidifying behind McCarthy. Calling them enemies and narcissists that they have made it clear that they prefer a Democrat agenda to a Republican. Further quotes, this handful of members is very clearly looking for notoriety over principle. That's what it is. And anyone who suggests differently is in some kind of make-believe fantasy reality. It's not. It's not true. They lost those debates. That should be the end of it, because that's how a team works, right? But if you're a narcissist, then you'll keep going, and you'll threaten to tear down the team for the benefit of the Democrats just because of your own self-importance. We will not vote for anyone else but McCarthy, Crenshaw concluded. These people think that they're stubborn. We're more stubborn. Marjorie Taylor Greene comes out throwing bombs as she has the last several weeks in favor of McCarthy. Unreal that the people claiming to be America first are negotiating for me first positions when it comes to the speaker's gavel. The base deserves the truth. They would be sickened as I am. 
Meanwhile, moderate Republicans are threatening to put somebody less conservative up if the Freedom Caucus keeps it up. Nebraska Representative Don Bacon writing in the Daily Caller this morning. Much has been made of me saying that I would work with moderate Democrats to elect a more moderate speaker. But my actual words that if the five refuse to coalesce around what the vast majority of the conference wants, I'm willing to work across the aisle to find an agreeable Republican. We should not set a bad precedent and allow a few people to undercut the entire team of 222 members. Further, of the 16 new Republicans elected, 13 are affiliated with Main Street GOP. It was the governing conservatives who got us the majority. The real complaint here should be with the small faction who refuse to work with the rest of the conference. They are putting our majority in the House at risk. My point is if a few won't be part of the 218 members we need to govern, we'll then find other ways to get to 218. And then the final threat. Representative Mike Rogers says that anyone who votes against McCarthy doesn't get a committee. A reminder that Kevin McCarthy's initial statements were retribution for Democrats removing members from committees, specifically Paul Gozer and Marjorie Taylor Greene. One of each is on the opposite sides of this particular Republican civil war. And then it's McCarthy's turn. In a closed-door meeting, with all of the assembled GOP House. He is just as blunt and bare-knuckled as all of his surrogates had been. He rattles off his achievements, and he says reportedly the following. I have earned the speakership. To nominate the gentleman from California, Kevin McCarthy, as Speaker of the House to lead America's new Republican majority. A seasoned legislator, an experienced leader, a friend to so many of us, a proud conservative with a tireless work ethic, Kevin McCarthy has earned the speakership of the People's House. Madam Clerk, as the chair of the Republican Conference, it is my high honor to present our conference's nominee for election to the office of Speaker of the People's House, the Honorable Kevin McCarthy from the state of California, and I yield back. That is Kevin McCarthy's nominating on the first ballot by Elise Stefanik. The Democrats nominate Hakeem Jeffries in a speech that seems like they were daring the speaker to say the word unity as many times as possible. And short of singing Rick James, he effectively did it. Not a joke. He did quote, the notorious B.I.G., since Hakeem Jeffries is from Brooklyn, spread love. It is indeed the Brooklyn way. And then when asked if there are any other nominees, Paul Gozer of Arizona stands up and enters his man, fellow Republican Andy Biggs, into the race. 
America knows that Washington is broken. The power doesn't reside in the speaker. It doesn't in the majority leader, nor the minority leader, nor the whips. The power resides in we, the people, the people who entrusted us here, each individual member, to represent their district, their state, and the federal government. Washington's broken. We're the last ones to know. A wise person once told me, good process builds good policy, builds good politics. We've got to return to that. It is with that that I place the name of my friend and colleague from Arizona, Annie Biggs, for Speaker of the House. Thank you. With quorum set and a hundred year streak intact of this vote only going one ballot, we get to roll calling. Clyburn. Jeffries. Clyde. Not going to make you listen to everything, and by this point, you probably already know how this ends. The good news for Kevin McCarthy is there were not five people that wouldn't vote for him. Awesome. Cohen. The bad news is there were 19. Not only did several vote for Andy Biggs, but also there were random candidates that got uh, votes as well. Here's the unofficial count from Punchbowl's Jake Sherman on the first ballot. Jeffries, the Democrat, Hakeem Jeffries, gets the plurality of votes, 212. Kevin McCarthy McCarthy gets 203. Andy Biggs gets 10 votes. Jim Jordan gets six. Banks gets one. Zeldin, who isn't even in Congress anymore, gets one. Donalds gets one. McCarthy loses by 19 on that first ballot. And now... We get to an issue of tactics and strategy. Just like Dan Crenshaw said in that quote we read earlier. They think they are stubborn. No, 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 no. We're just as stubborn, and there's a lot more of us than there are you. So what we are going to do is not even take an adjournment so we can have a conversation with the 19 of y'all. No, we're going to roll right back into this. There's a very, very interesting moment that happens between the first ballot and the second ballot where Jim Jordan, who received six votes in that first ballot and is supporting Kevin McCarthy, does not want to be Speaker of the House. And by the way, would not have the votes for Speaker of the House anyway. He approaches McCarthy. They have a conversation. And... What we now know they were likely talking about is what happens on the second ballot. On the second ballot, all of the defectors unite around one candidate. That candidate is Jim Jordan. Jeffries. So Jim Jordan decides to nominate Kevin McCarthy. Matt Gates nominates Jordan. Bada bing, bada boom. Second verse, same as the first. Hakeem Jeffries with 212 votes. McCarthy with 203. Representative Jim Jordan gets all 19 consolidated in support for him. 
Jeffries. Meanwhile, some of the Jeffries. 19 defectors begin to leak out to the press that there's a reason why they are not happy. And indeed, that bare-knuckled vote-for-me-or-else speech that Kevin McCarthy gave at the beginning of the day was part of it. Here is Representative Chip Roy, somebody that was not a hard no before and has, at least at the time of this quote, voted against Kevin McCarthy twice. By the way, everybody who was in that Republican Congress meeting this morning said, oh, we, we like the rules. Good job, Chip and you guys, you worked hard for the rules. And then at the end, they said, but if you don't vote for uh, McCarthy, we're going to get rid of the rules. It's a game. That's the game. And they actually put a quote on the board that said something in the in the zip code of, uh, hey, for the part of trying to put people on the committee with diverse views. And Kevin said that he said, but a whole lot of people in the room didn't want that. Not to be the guy that tries to decide an argument that he wasn't there for after the fact. But wouldn't it be obvious that if you didn't vote for McCarthy, you couldn't get the rules that McCarthy had agreed to? Like whether or not the rules were insane, like everyone had to wear their pants on their head. Like, that's what he, that was the deal that he made. You'd have to make another deal with another person to get the votes to be speaker before. Yeah, I, yeah, not, not sure. Not sure where that's going. Meanwhile, McCarthy ally Marjorie Taylor Greene, according to Politico, is Furious at her fellow House Freedom Caucus members, specifically singling out Matt Gates and Scott Perry. She says that in secret, that group demanded prime committee spots to end this kerfuffle last night. Quote, I'm the only Republican who has zero committees. I found out that it's my Freedom Caucus colleagues who went and did that. Then goes after Gates for supporting Paul Ryan, then goes after Perry for reversing course on a gay marriage vote and says that good Bobert all took McCarthy money to get elected and now are standing against him. And then there's this strategy, the lull him to sleep strategy, or the maybe I should go get a sandwich strategy, or the lock the bathroom when they walk in strategy. Like we mentioned before, the threshold for which to win the speakership is determined by how many members are present in the House when the vote is taken. That means that Kevin McCarthy could have a lower threshold to win, possibly even one as low as 203, if enough Democrats got bored. <laughs> And if this event is going to drag on not only through the afternoon, but into the night, well, you might imagine that there's plenty of Democrats who are going to get a little bored. Hakeem Jeffries, according to reports, has said that that will not happen. They are going to remain strong. But we'll see. Meanwhile, for everything else going on in the Republican world, we go to our GOP Sports Center. Ron DeSantis in Tallahassee today being inaugurated for a second term as Republican governor of Florida in his inauguration speech flanked by his wife dressed very, very, very Jackie O and their three adorable little children. 
definitely framing it as if this would be the presidential inauguration in a few years, DeSantis decided to discuss how incompetent the federal government is. It wields its authority through a sprawling, unaccountable, and out-of-touch bureaucracy that does not act on behalf of us, but instead looms over us and imposes its will upon us. Meanwhile, on Truth Social, Donald Trump talked about the 2020 election. And that's your Republican Sports Center. Back to the votes. Join together with us to solve the problems, to address inflation that is crushing middle-class families, to get control over spending that's driving that inflation. Will the House be in order? We join you now on the third ballot for the Speaker of the House. Steve Scalise, the new majority leader of the Republican Party, is giving the nomination speech for Kevin McCarthy. Scalise being mentioned not only in the media, but also reportedly throughout the Republican caucus as a possible replacement for McCarthy. That means that the two most recent people to nominate McCarthy are the two people that either McCarthy's opposition wants to be speaker or is looked at as the only other person that would have consensus to be speaker. Therefore, daring either of those two men to stab McCarthy in the back should they want to take his crown. Which I don't know what's going to happen. Spoiler alert. This doesn't have an end. I, I just need to stop this podcast and, and send it to you guys because I don't think this is going to be over tonight. I think that we're looking to go over the nine ballots that happened in 1923. I think we will probably end at some point before the two months worth of ballots that happened before the Civil War. But as of right now, folks, it's a staring contest. This is like Robert Goulet in a forest creature. At one point, somebody's going to have to blink. But the reality of this mess, now that we are in it, is clear. Either Kevin McCarthy is the speaker or somebody has to inherit everything that McCarthy agreed to, maybe even add some more on, and then they become the speaker. But the person most likely to do that just nominated McCarthy. So it would require McCarthy walking off the stage. And it does not appear after we've just gone through his entire backstory, after he walked off the stage once, that you are going to find any inch of back down in McCarthy. Can he be forced off the stage? Maybe. But by who? And for what? Because we are at a point now where something needs to be a end for this. But just like Al Gore's internet, it looks like there's not much of an end in sight for now. And so with that, we wait, watch and wait and watch. Chapter 2 Thank you for calling the 118th Congress of the United States of America. All of our representatives are currently...
currently busy taking the same vote over and over again on television. If you'd like to take a brief survey after your call to discuss whether or not you worked at Goldman Sachs or your mother's dead, please stay on the line. Goodbye. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program. Kevin McCarthy's Wild Ride, Part 2. This is your old pal Justin Young here, live from Austin, Texas. But really, I am where you are, glued to YouTube, watching the CNN stream, because everything old is new again. By that, I mean yesterday is today. The same day again feels like some kind of time loop, like everything's happening again, over and over and over. And maybe one time we can find out the reason why we are stuck seeing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Why do time loop movies always become morality tales? Why do I need to fix myself so I can get out of some of temporal hex? You know, according to the Greek myth, Sisyphus is condemned to roll a rock up a hill to the top of the mountain, only to have the rock roll back down to the bottom every time he reaches the top. The gods were wise in perceiving that an eternity of feudal labor is a hideous punishment. According to one story, Sisyphus enchains the spirit of death so that during death's imprisonment, no human being could die. Eventually, the gods freed death, and his first victim is Sisyphus. Here's the kicker, though. In that version of the story, Sisyphus tells his wife not to offer him any traditional burial rites when he does die. So, when Sisyphus arrives in the underworld, he complains to Hades, he literally goes to the manager, that his wife had not observed the rites. And, because the customer service in Greek hell is better than Southwest Airlines, he's granted permission to return to Earth so he can chastise his bride. Once granted his second lease on life, Sisyphus refuses to return to the underworld and lives to a ripe old age before heading back down and beginning his eternal punishment. Absurdist philosopher Albert Camus identifies Sisyphus as the archetypical absurd hero, both for his behavior on Earth and his punishment in the underworld. He displays scorn for the gods, a hatred of death, and a passion for life. His punishment is to endure an eternity of hopeless struggle. And so we bring you in to day two of the 118th Congress's search for a brand new Speaker of the House. Entrenched in all of their positions, we have the vast majority of the GOP caucus, a rebel alliance of 20, and the Democrats, for whom are very excited to watch their opponents 
pants each other repeatedly. And yet the question becomes for both sides of the GOP. At what point are they tired of rolling that boulder up the hill only for it to fall down again? Because they are not Sisyphus. But they are wearing a Sisyphus uniform. Congress folk taking the same vote over and over and over again. Will the fever break? It's Mr. McCarthy's Wild Ride Part 2. But first. Madam Clerk, I rise to nominate the gentleman from California, Mr. Kevin McCarthy, for Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. That is Kevin McCarthy's nominating speech on the 4th ballot of this process, the 1st of January 4th, Wednesday. On that ballot for Speaker, the Rebel Alliance nominated Byron Donalds. Now, the day before, Donalds voted for McCarthy twice. He then appeared on CNN and teased that he might change his vote, and lo and behold, he did. On that ballot, he voted for Jim Jordan. Faith rewarded. He sleeps on it and becomes the new symbolic protest candidate and backs it with his own vote. This is his nominating speech by Representative Chip Roy. Now, here we are, and for the first time in history, there have been two black Americans placed into the nomination for Speaker of the House. We do not seek to judge people by the color of their skin, but rather the content of their character. Byron Donalds. Yes, a Republican gets a standing ovation for quoting Martin Luther King on the fourth ballot of a speaker vote in the year of our Lord 2023. Say nothing about this process except its true commitment to absurdity. Camus would be proud. But at the end, no real change. The 20-member Rebel Alliance holds strong. McCarthy gets 201 votes, one less than he did on the third ballot, because one Republican votes present. So the question then becomes, who exactly is this Rebel Alliance? Well, they go by the following names. Representatives, Biggs, Bishop, Boebert, Breachin, Cloud, Clyde, Crane, Gates, Good, Gozer, Harris, Luna, Miller, Norman, Ogles, Perry, Rosendale, Roy, Self, and of course, Donald's. He was the late joiner after all the voting on the first day. They are all members of the Freedom Caucus, but they are not the majority of the Freedom Caucus. The majority of the Freedom Caucus supports McCarthy. So then why does this splinter group break away? Well, in part, they hate McCarthy. And you gotta wonder exactly how much of a cuddly guy McCarthy is if people are willing to be this intransient about him. 
there is one man for whom does very much loom large in the Freedom Caucus, however. And his name is Donald Trump. Trump, who initially backed McCarthy, doubled down the morning of Wednesday, January 4th, saying on Truth Social that it was time for Republicans to take the win. Back down. Nominate McCarthy. And as we just saw, that Bob McCarthy, jack squat. Truth in one hand and wish in the other and see which one fills up first. So before we dive headlong back into this never-ending vote, let's talk about the Trump of it all. I made fun of him on the podcast that we released during the first day's voting, saying that he was mostly on True Social talking about the 2020 election. So this at least represented the fact that he does have skin in this game because he did pick one side over the other, and the side that he picked doesn't seem to be doing all that well. Reports came out yesterday that he was considering backtracking from McCarthy. McCarthy gets spooked, according to reports, calls Trump. Trump says everything's fine. And then he puts out his truth social post this morning. But what does it say when Donald Trump cannot whip Matt Gates? What does it say when Donald Trump cannot whip Lauren Boebert? What does it say when he can't speak to the 18 other rebels for whom we don't know their names because they aren't as out front as the two that I just mentioned? It means that all 20 of them aren't afraid of being called out by Trump. They are not afraid of getting yelled at on this boutique social media network. He does not have the firepower to keep people in line. I want to go back in time for a second. But there was an article today, it was reported, that NFL owners don't want to pick him up because they don't want to get a nasty tweet from Donald Trump. Do you believe that? The him in that rant was Colin Kaepernick, the then out of work, I guess still out of work NFL quarterback because he kneeled on the sidelines when he was a backup for the San Francisco 49ers. That's Donald Trump bragging about how much power he had over other billionaires. Billionaires. I don't know if you're really familiar with the culture of NFL owners. A lot of y'all might not be, but let me just clue you in. They're not exactly the most tame people. They don't really care about a lot of public opinion. Just go ahead and Google Jerry Jones bathroom photos, and you're going to see things for which the Dallas Cowboys owner has kind of obliquely bragged about. And yet, here's Trump saying, my social media platform is so mighty that those guys are scared of me. And of course, that really means that my social media presence is so mighty, I can affect their business. And that is 
person by person. Donald Trump could get mad at Jerry Jones and stop people from going to Dallas Cowboys games. Now, that sounds kind of ridiculous now, but that's what he's saying. In the case of any of these rebels, Donald Trump can say, this person is a failure. This person is a loser. MAGA should never vote for them ever. And that's obliquely what he's saying when he says vote for McCarthy. And they defy him. They're not scared. And that does say something for Donald Trump's standing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for supporting this program and understanding that it's coming out on a special day. Normally, we are a Wednesday, Friday podcast. Obviously, the news is now, and thus, we cover it now. Anything that happens tomorrow, however, Thursday, January 5th, is going to be on our late edition. That is a patron-only Podcast. If you want to head on over right now, take politicsseriously.com. Sign up at the $3 level. You will get it along with a custom RSS feed that will allow you to put it in the podcatcher of your choice. And later on this month, free feed is getting programmatic ads. Thank you to everybody who hit me up. <laughs> DMs, Twitch chat. Asking whether or not our ads would be read by the ad dragon, a an old friend from our our uh, comedy show, myself and Brian Brushwood on uh, the NSFW program, the ad dragon. He is a, 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 a very professional ad reader. However, through the distribution platform that we're going to work with, we don't have any control over. So it's probably going to be the ads you hear about your local community college or, you know, how certain toothbrush will brush your teeth really well. I'm sure they're all fine products, but it's all going to be programmatic. So if you don't want ads, aside from this, this is always going to be there on all the feeds, on the Patreon feed, on the, uh, on the, uh, on the regular feed, because this is my little bulletin board. Anything that ain't news, that's just about us. This is where I put it. Then head on over right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Ad-free feed at any level. Bonus uh, content at three bucks. And then your name at the end of the show at 10. Thank you so much. Back to the program. Overall, there are seven recognized, organized, and prosecuted Christian crusades from Europe to the Middle East from the 11th century on. These quests, from the European perspective, were to liberate the Christian Holy Land from Muslim forces. And, all but the first, very temporarily, are recognized as failures. And yet, for various economic, political, and spiritual reasons, they just kept happening. One... After another, spanning 300 years, and even after and between the powers that be laying off, the will of the people sometimes compelled organized parties to sack Jerusalem. Those stories are legion. 
but my favorite is the Children's Crusade. Many tell this story different, but it is said to have happened in 1212. A boy begins to preach in either France or Germany, claiming that he has been visited by the Son of God, Jesus himself, who instructs the young boy to lead a crusade in order to peacefully convert Muslims to Christianity. Think of a supercharged version of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Maybe if they had bikes, the Mormon missionary, something like that. There were a series of portents and miracles. This child gains a following, a following of up to 30,000 children. He leads his followers south toward the Mediterranean Sea in the belief that the sea would part upon their arrival like Moses before them. This would allow the 30,000 children to walk to Jerusalem. This does not happen. The children are sold to merchants who are given free passage on boats. The pilgrims are then either taken to Tunisia, where they are sold into slavery by the merchants. The lesson that I have always taken from the children's crusade is sometimes... It's better not to try. On the fifth ballot, in search of a Speaker of the House of the 118th Congress, Representative Warren Davis, a member of the Freedom Caucus, gave the nomination for Kevin McCarthy. And in that nomination, he read a list of concessions that McCarthy has made to the Freedom Caucus, including name-checking wishlist items from many of the Rebel Alliance. Andrew Clyde's proposal to restore public access to the Capitol. Lauren Boebert's proposal to reduce the linkage between the NRCC and the steering committee process. Gary Palmer's proposal to cap spending on suspension bills. Ralph Norman's proposal to limit leadership reports and make conference more about engaging all members. Chip Roy's proposal to provide a five-day notice for suspension votes. Dan Bishop's proposal in privileged resolutions. Scott Perry's proposal for additional conference meetings ahead of key votes. Bob Good's proposal on standalone appropriations bills. Andy Biggs' proposal limiting suspension waivers from committees. Chip Roy's proposal to make co-sponsored amendments in order. A firm 72-hour publication of bills before calling for a recorded vote. An end to proxy voting. An end to remote participation in committee work by members of Congress. The Holman Rule. An end to the Gephardt Rule. Cut-go instead of pay-go. An end to unblocked suspension votes. A major reform worked out with Morgan Griffin, what we hope to call the Griffin Rule, on single-subject bills subject to germaneness, germaneness, points of order, and amendment. It's the first time the nominating speeches are more about the opposition than the nominee from the Kevin McCarthy side. Colorado Representative Lauren Boebert nominates Donalds again, but can't help but mention another Donald. Praise the work and the leadership of Byron Donalds. So let's work together. Let's stop with the campaign smears and tactics to get people to turn against us. Even having my favorite president call us and tell us we need to knock this off. I think it actually needs to be reversed. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that 
Sir, you do not have the votes, and it's time to withdraw. And by the end, we have the exact same tally that we had before. 201 for McCarthy. The 20 rebels hold strong. And we move on to a sixth ballot. Which reminds me, here is your NBA update. Brought to you by Futility. Have you failed? Why not do it again? Futility, available inside your head every time you take a loss. It's the Bucks over the Wizards, 123-113 to in action Tuesday night. The Thunder topped the Celtics, 150-117, to and the Sacramento Kings remain hot against the Utah Jazz, 117-115. to That's your NBA update, brought to you by Futility. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, so let's go nuts. In 2010, three congressmen wrote a book together. It's called Young Guns a new generation of conservative leaders. Those three congressmen, Eric Cantor of Virginia, listed in the book as a Republican whip who holds a seat on the House Ways and Means Committee. Congressman Paul Ryan of Wisconsin, a six-term congressman, the ranking member of the House Budget Committee and a senior member of the House Ways and Means Committee. And Congressman Kevin McCarthy, California, two-term congressman and House Chief Deputy Republican Whip, was once named the GOP's most persuasive, compelling members by Newsweek. Oh, but what a difference a few years make. Four years after their book came out, in June of 2014, Eric Cantor, at this point GOP majority leader in the House, was challenged in a primary His internal poll showed him winning the race by 30 points. He outspent his opponent 40 to 1. And he lost his primary battle to Tea Party-backed Dave Bratt. Amidst battles with the then-Trump-run GOP Speaker of the House at the time, Paul Ryan, declined to run for his seat in 2018. Democrats won those midterms, took the House back, and Nancy Pelosi succeeded him as speaker. Paul Ryan has yet to return to politics. And in 2022, McCarthy became the first speaker candidate in 100 years to not secure a nomination on the first ballot. I feel compelled to read this one-star review of Young Guns from Amazon. It is written by user YP... January 3rd, 2019. So, four years ago. This didn't age well. Kevin McCarthy tried a sixth time to become Speaker of the House. I don't even know who nominated him. I don't even know who nominated Daniels. No, I do know. The, the, the congresswoman who nominated McCarthy accused all the Democrats of drinking and, and they yelled at her 
which is not unlike a group of people who have been drinking would do, but still, it's the same thing, same vote. Nobody's changed. There is no leverage. If there was any assumption that there was any shame in in either side of this, they're not going to get it. Nobody wants to blink. Everybody is in a staring contest, and nobody has any reason to back down. There is no public pressure that can bring these two sides to heal. There is Nothing that will change what is happening. We are living through a time loop. Somebody learn a lesson. For the love of God, somebody learn a lesson. Somebody become a better person. Somebody don't seduce Andy McDowell the wrong way. Uh, 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 Tom Cruise, uh, go and kill the alien in, in the center of town. Somebody needs to figure this out. Wait, what is this? Where am I? It's pitch black. What am I doing here? Greetings. What? Who are you? I am the manifestation of political gridlock. But you can call me stalemate. I've trapped you in my lair so you might tell me these stories personally. Well, I mean, I don't really like telling them at all. I mean, I... I, I, I... You will. This will not resolve. It will go on and on and on. Hold on. I just got a message on my phone. Apparently, the Congressional Leadership Fund and the Club for Growth, two major Republican super PACs, have come to an agreement. The Club for Growth had not backed McCarthy, but now says that they will, in exchange for the Congressional Leadership Fund, agreeing not to primary any of the Freedom Caucus. Why, that was something that the... Republicans in the Freedom Caucus, specifically the 20 that are blocking McCarthy, were really, really, really mad about. Wait, turn on C-SPAN. Okay. On this vote, the yeas are 216, the nays are 214. Both of the Republican factions have agreed to adjourn until tomorrow. Then I'll I'll see you there. Exclusively at the $3 level of the Patreon found at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Chapter 3 Thank you for calling the 118th Congress of the United States of America. If you'd like to submit a suggestion for a protest candidate to Kevin McCarthy, please hold the line and wait for the beep. The mailbox is full. Goodbye. Welcome to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast. My name is Justin Robert Young, joining you from Austin, Texas. This is the late edition, Thursday, January 5th, exclusive to patrons. Oh, baby, every once in a while, these things come in handy now, don't they? Day three 
the third part of how many parts? <laughs> if this were a Twitter thread, it would be three of question mark in the wild ride of Kevin McCarthy. Boy, uh, uh, the votes start coming and they don't stop coming. Hit the roll call and you say the name's running. Oof. Jesus. That was bad. Didn't use a drink. Can't have a drink, though. Dry January for you, boy. Makes you think about drinking when you're sober. It's a, it's a weird it's a weird thing, huh? You see where you are having more fun, where you're having less fun, how tired you are, how alert you are. I do miss bars, though. I, I like bars. I grew up in bars. I like bars drunk. I like bars sober. But whenever you go to a bar sober, you tend to understand... A pattern, a pattern that's obscured to you if you're drinking. Because if you go to a bar sober and you're hanging out with your friends who are drinking, then you notice that beers one through two, they're normal, right? It's like you were at a coffee shop. Let me turn the tables, Congresswoman. Kevin McCarthy has 202, three votes. Your side has 20 uh, isn't it time for you to pack it in? Sean, I understand the frustration, uh, I promise you. But I'm not um, frustrated. You didn't answer my question. And we are hearing, we are not, hearing from many frustrated. people who are still voting with Kevin McCarthy You're who not are very supportive my question. of what we're doing, and they're cheering Beer three us on. is the most so fun. Beer three is when everybody gets a little loose, everybody's laughing a little easier. That's great. And he does not have 218. We've been trying Neither to work this out in private, as you said, for months. But Kevin McCarthy didn't even want to listen to us until his disappointment. But past that, you start to understand what the world sees in drunk people. Slurred speech, rambling points, cutting each other off. He doesn't have 218, so you need to ask him to withdraw. If by Friday you and your group of 20 don't have a name with 30 votes, is it time for you to withdraw? And if not, why do you support a double standard? Last question. Saying the same thing over and over and over again. You know, I feel like I'm getting a, a liberal I'm not going to support Kevin McCarthy, Sean. Okay, so even if you only have 30 votes, Kevin McCarthy, you will not abide by what you told President Trump to abide by. Which I don't believe I I will be. I feel like we've made progress. Friends, Congress is drunk. (laughs) I have seen this behavior my entire life, and I can tell you that we are the only sober ones looking down the bar. Over 400 people have the same 
conversation over and over again. So hell, if you can't beat them, join them. Pour another one, because we have a few more rounds to go. So make it one for my baby. And one more for the road. But first. It's so long. The long. McCarthy. Wahlberg. McCarthy. Waltz. McCarthy. Look, I, I hate to yada, yada, yada some of these ballots because I guess they are all historical. And at some point when the AI-infused aliens are digging through the rubble of the once mighty human culture, there might be some data need of me recording each and every one of them. But we begin on the seventh ballot. It gets exactly what has happened before. McCarthy 201, Jeffries 212, and then 20 for Donald's. On the eighth ballot, things get a little spicier. McCarthy still at 201. Jeffrey still at 212. Donald's this time gets 17. And we begin to see a bit of a splintering. Bobert and Brasheen each give a vote to Kevin Hearn, who is voting for McCarthy. And Matt Gates decides that he's going to vote for Donald John Trump. And so as we whistle past this particular graveyard of ballots passed, Let's take a moment to stop and read a horny chain text message that was being sent to members of Congress this morning. This is not a joke, or at least a joke that I'm making up. It is probably a joke, but it is not one that I'm inventing for this podcast. This is a real text message. The text message reads, pull up number two, the Capitol but not like an insurrection because today the new cock gris is being sworn in. Say goodbye to nervous Nancy sunglasses, emoji, heart emoji and coxie voting and hello to my Kevin. If the freedom caucus lets him win crying emoji on the 69th ballot come. That's the way that you would think if you were 16. Watch the freshmen defend the Cox Dictution and faithfully discharge the duties poop emoji of the office. Send this to six zero people or else your hole will be filibustered. Send to 218 people or else you won't meet eggplant emoji quorum. If you get 535 back, then your ass is in the union. But if you get zero back, you're an unpaid intern. Vomiting emoji. Madam 
Clerk, I rise to nominate Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. That's McCarthy getting nominated by Representative Troy Nels. One of the things that I've noticed in this entire process is that Kevin McCarthy even though almost everybody in that room would like to get the hell out of there, everyone would like to have all their families take pictures with the speaker and then move on. There's one thing that you cannot stop a congressman from doing, no matter how hard you try. Science has proven this now. And that is resist the urge to give a speech. Because every single time there is a ballot, every single person who is nominating the speaker candidate cannot help but give their own little speech. Nobody walks up and just says, "Uh, Speaker, I nominate Kevin McCarthy. Great dude. Let's do this. No, no, no. Everyone's got to give their own little version of a Sorkin soaring monologue. My intent today is to address the American people who have been watching these proceedings and are concerned about what they've seen in this chamber over the past two days. I am a member of the House Freedom Caucus, and I am proud to say so. I believe the 20 members that have nominated an alternate candidate have expressed their concerns with leadership. And many of those concerns have been addressed and accepted by Leader McCarthy and this conference. I believe this battle we are raging must end. Vote after vote, nomination after nomination, Democrats are united. Just like we were united when we passed the American Rescue Plan to get our economy back on track. United when we passed the infrastructure law to rebuild America. United when we cap insulin at $35, passed historic gun safety legislation, and passed the PACT Act to help our nation's veterans. Amendment to the rules of this body, not to empower ourselves, not to bring personal benefit to ourselves, but to empower you and you and you, Maxine, and you and you and everyone sitting in this chamber I'll take that. equally. I want to get to work too. America is tired of rhetoric and they want results. This isn't chaos. This is a constitutional republic at work. I'm a mom of four boys. I know what chaos and dysfunction looks like. This is actually a really beautiful thing to be here with all of my colleagues debating, just as the gentleman from Montana said. We have not experienced this in the two years that we have served here in Washington, D.C. Debbie Stabenow is not going to run for her seat in Michigan. This is an interesting vacancy. Obviously, Michigan Democrats have a bit of a deep bench. Races that you thought might have been closer in Michigan were not when we were assuming this was going to be a red wave in 2022. However, it is still a state that Donald Trump won in 2016. There is still a lot of whites without a college degree in Michigan, you wonder whether or not a slightly more competent Republican Party would be able to play there. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 the ninth ballot. Sure. So this one it sees McCarthy get one less vote because Representative Buck had to leave Congress because he has a doctor's appointment. Hearn votes for McCarthy after being nominated by Boebert. By the way, Representative Hearn will miss votes through the weekend because of his mother's funeral. And nobody votes for Donald Trump. Gates, knock that off after one. You do have to wonder whether or not this Rebel Alliance has done themselves any favors by switching their nominee ballot by ballot. Probably would have made them seem a little bit more serious if they would have stuck with one person throughout the entire process. And it would probably be better if it were one of them. But then again, you get into the honor amongst uh, thieves situation where if 20 people who are willing to hold up Congress have to choose one among them that's going to be the Speaker of the House. Well, who is it? It was Andy Biggs initially, but they went off him fairly fast. So obviously he didn't want it. Donald's has been the man so far, but... Why isn't everybody voting with Donald? Why did half of them or, or, or three, uh, three or four of them switch to Hearn? And it's at this moment that we begin to hear some cracking in the ice. Reports that McCarthy is close to a deal with Chip Roy's team. But... There's no guarantee on exactly how many people that brings in from the Rebel Alliance. Could be as many as bringing it to a four-vote gap. That would pretty much seal the deal. Could only be enough to bring you to an eight-vote gap. Down from 20, moving in the right direction. But still not enough to really do anything. Oh, by the way, while all this is happening, the 10th vote is going on and on and on and on. Let's all go to 11. Look, right across the board. Oh, 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not 10. You see, most most blokes are going to be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Uh, put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. And so does our hunt for a brand new Speaker of the House. Not really a whole lot of surprises in the last vote. A few less people voted for Donald's. A few more people voted for Hearn. 20 people stayed together. And the talk of the town is whether or not there is a breakthrough and whether or not there is an agreement to adjourn for either the night or the weekend. Madam Clerk. To nominate, Kevin, to nominate, to nominate Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. No, it's happening. First, let me uh, express my deep appreciation, the appreciation of everybody in this room for the work you're doing, Madam Clark. Oh, nobody likes a kiss ass. 
Chapter 4. You've reached the 118th Congress of the United States of America. If you're calling about the power outage, representatives are currently working on it. Current estimates place the formation of a government between Pan and Midnight tonight. Goodbye. Just like that, it's over. It started with a deal. Chip Roy negotiated the evolving pact to bring over 14 of the 20 Rebel Alliance holdouts. The 15th was added on the next ballot. And it was at that point that Kevin McCarthy, for the first time in this entire process, on ballots, 12... 13 and 14 began to demonstrate something that he had not demonstrated throughout this entire process an ability to move people to his side and when the dam broke it was pretty clear who was underwater despite the fact that as i record this right now in the mid-afternoon central time there still remains two to three holdout votes that will flip they don't actually have to vote for him so everybody can actually keep their word and say that they never voted for kevin mccarthy all they have to do is vote present and it seems like the writing is on the wall matt gates who has obviously been the ringleader or at least the person that has been most out and forward with the never kevin uh, faction said to reporters, I think the House is in a lot better place with some of the work that's going to be done to democratize power out of the speakership, and that's our goal. That does not sound like a person who is saying Kevin will not have the votes today, he won't have the votes tomorrow, and he won't have the votes next week. Because it sounds like Kevin has the votes tonight. Two Kevin McCarthy voters that have not been in the chamber are scheduled to come back tonight. The House is currently adjourned until 10 p.m. And at that point, it seems at this moment, fait accompli, that he will become the next Speaker of the House. Now, what kind of Speaker will he be? We have no idea. We still don't know what's in this deal. We know that it's uh, particularly restrictive, and we know that it is extraordinarily budget conservative that means cuts to the military that means cuts to social security whenever those are broached they tend to be rebuffed and also in the agreement is the ability to fire kevin mccarthy based on one person being mad at him and bringing it to a floor vote kevin mccarthy is going to be by historical comparison a particularly weak speaker But if you're Kevin McCarthy, he's saying, you're telling me I'm speaker? 
And yes, indeed he is. Like Etta sang in 61, at last, a man who has begged, borrowed, and stealed for this position gets his treasure. The only question is when he pops the latches, is it haunted gold that stares back at him? That is, in all likelihood, the end to Kevin McCarthy's wild ride Chapter 5 It began as a coronation. Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert had been on Sean Hannity's program. Two of the orchestrators of this holdout of support from Kevin McCarthy calling him the speaker designate. Matt Gates saying, hey, look, I'd like to do this longer, but I'm running out of things to ask for. Taking a victory lap, saying we held out, we got what we wanted, and now it's time to bring this train into the station. At that point, there were five holdouts. If all five, as was allegedly the plan, voted present therefore stepping out of the way for Kevin McCarthy to become speaker without voting for him, then this would all be over. And indeed, Representative McHenry gave a wedding toast speech at the beginning, joking about how Kevin McCarthy tells the same jokes all the time. How meta. The Democrats gave their own big stirring speech and the vote tally began. And it's at that point that things got a little spicy. Representative Andy Biggs voted for Jim Jordan. And then another holdout voted for somebody else. And then another holdout voted for somebody else. And oh my God, this appeared that Matt Gates, of all people, was now going to have to vote for Kevin McCarthy. Jeez Louise, with Swiss cheese. Well, according to reporting, this was a train wreck that at least he saw coming. He knew that some of his other Rebel Alliance members were not going to vote present, and so he was begging the McCarthy people to please adjourn until Monday. Well, they felt that this was going to wrap up tonight. The deal was for tonight. This was it. And so Matt Gates votes present, at which point we saw one of the most extraordinary moments in the history of the House of Representatives in the television era. Cameras tracking every movement. Kevin McCarthy, who had been stoic, if not smiling throughout this entire process. 13 failed ballots before him. The 14th here now. And through all of them, he smiled, he glad-handed, he sat in his seat, and he let his deputies rumble the people that needed to be rumbled. But here, tonight, Friday evening at 
as the hour grew to Saturday morning, he had had enough, got up off his duff, ran on over to Gates and Bobert, and had a particularly spicy conversation. He walked away and walked back. There was a scuffle in which a man had to be pie-faced to keep him from getting further into Gates's mush. And meanwhile, Donald Trump emerges. Of course, of course. God, I was watching CNN for this entire process. To paraphrase Joe Biden, CNN's coverage is a noun, a verb, and Donald Trump. Oh, wait, hold on. Every once in a while, it's a noun, a verb, and January 6th, and then Donald Trump. You know, sometimes there's a little bit of a modification there. But good Lord, was it gripping to watch this entire process. And Trump does emerge. A striking picture. Again, another reason why I very much believe, I don't know who we need to, who we need to influence for this, who we need to get on, on this side. But I feel like everybody in the political ecosphere is on the same page with this. We need cameras and we need CNN's roving eye, or sorry, C-SPAN's roving eye in the chamber from here on out. This was just too good. It was too good. The picture taken is Marjorie Taylor Greene trying to hand an iPhone to Representative Rosendale, one of the Rebel Alliance, and on the screen with 22 seconds into the call is simply DT. Talk about a picture being worth a thousand words, punctuated by Rosendale holding his hands up to the sky, reportedly saying, don't you ever do me like that. Rosendale didn't pick up the phone, but Gates did and Boebert did. And as the McCarthy faction had no choice but to begin to adjourn the, uh, the House until Monday, apparently the ice finally cracked for real. Matt Gates says, we're doing it tonight. Changes his vote on adjournment. Everybody changes their vote on adjournment. All of the rebels vote present the way they were supposed to do at the beginning. And it was over. An extraordinary evening, an extraordinary end to a 15 ballot contest that we have not seen in this country for over a century. And all caught in moving picture, thanks to those C-SPAN cameras, the assembled reporters in the chamber and the photographers that made this extraordinarily memorable it was an honor to cover all of this. It was an honor to do all these extra podcasts for you guys. But boy, just insane. Let's get to our sound here. This is on Meet the Press, Representative Dan Bishop on if his holdout was politically viable. He was one of the Rebel Alliance. I think Democrats have gotten their way with great uh, success. And I don't think your read of the election is right, Chuck. I think what people were looking for is they were Republican voters in particular is they were looking for they wanted to be convinced that Republicans had conviction about what was selling being sold to them. They were uncertain about that. Now, I also don't disagree that at the margin, people want to have 
uh, elected officials, they want their candidates, including Republican candidates, to exercise mature and reasoned judgment. But that doesn't mean to lie down and be rolled over by uh, Democrats, whether they're in the majority or the minority. And so my view is we've had an opportunity to uh, to, to, to take a hard look at each other in the Republican conference over the course of this past week. Folks in the media constantly said, oh, it's dysfunction and chaos. No, it was deciding the most important questions about how this Congress is going to proceed, and we accomplished an enormous amount. As one very sophisticated person in this area observed, this agreement we received is transformational for Congress, and uh, we're going to have a great and productive Congress. You saw this a lot from the Republicans during... The, the Sunday hits today, and that is our diversity is our strength. We're better off for having a lot of different voices. And that's a very, very easy thing to say after the bombs have fallen. It's a lot more annoying to talk about how the range of viewpoints in your party is so amazing when the air raid sirens are going off. Let's flip over to the other side. This was a hard pro McCarthy vote on ABC's This Week. Representative Andy Barr being asked the question. So to make this happen, did McCarthy give up too much? George, I'm really not. And I understand the American people's frustration with the delay in electing a speaker. Certainly, it's going to be a challenge to have a conference full of independent thinkers with a, th a thin majority. Um, but, you know, not only did the framers of our Constitution expect us to debate uh, the operations of the House and the House rules and how we're going to function, they, that's what a healthy democracy actually requires. And if you want to understand what happened on the House floor last week, you, you have to understand why the American people fired Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats and elected a new Republican majority. It's because what Scott said, because uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, used the pandemic to lock down the House of Representatives, to use proxy voting and remote committee proceedings to consolidate power in herself and a few other leaders at the expense of rank-and-file members and the millions of Americans that they represented to uh, eliminate transparency, uh, to write thousand-page omnibus spending bills behind closed doors. Uh, and so uh, the dysfunction was in the prior Congress. And the process that we went through this week was quite healthy from the standpoint of getting all of these issues resolved now so that we can have a template going forward to come together as a conference we proved to ourselves, George, that we can, with perseverance and a lot of hard work and a never-give-up attitude, we can come together and unify to advance our agenda. Uh, it will be a challenge, no doubt about it, with the diversity of opinions within our conference. But that was what was happening last week, was to forge a consensus so that when we reach issues like the debt limit, when we reach challenges, we've proven to ourselves we can come together, uh, we can set aside our differences and ultimately compromise uh, to be an effective majority. Another version of that question on ABC, Representative Scott Perry on what McCarthy gave up. Perry was on the Rebel Alliance side, including, and this will be the next big fight, get ready to hear about this a lot, the debt ceiling. Has McCarthy already signed his own death warrant by giving the Freedom Caucus a one vote threshold to issue a motion to vacate when 
he is going to have to make some very tough decisions on the debt ceiling. Well, uh, as I said, uh, there it's a framework of an agreement. So there are numerous things. It's accountability for the speaker. It's about making sure that we have a budget that we can agree upon that doesn't just continually increase spending, but then we appropriate to that budget. And and so it's a it's a whole host of things. It's like single subject bills coming through Congress, something that has never happened before in the history of Congress. So the, the George, the American people, among other things, are tired of these Christmas tree bills with all the ornaments on them coming for, in the middle of the night, 4,000 pages, $1.7 trillion, 7,200 earmarks. Everything works perfectly for Washington, D.C., but there's no presence under the tree for the American people. And so restraining those things and getting those things in order, it's, it's an entire package. It's not but just I, but one I, thing. Right, but I asked about the debt limit. Did he specifically say that he would not negotiate over the debt limit unless there's a, unless it's tied to a balanced budget? What we, what we're talking about is a debt limit that that if we're going to pass a debt limit increase that actually does something to to drive the trajectory of the ever increasing debt down. We can't just keep doing the same things under the same conditions with the same management and expect different outcomes. The American people are sick and tired of this endless debt increasing. While I've been in Congress, George, the debt has increased double. It's gone from about 15 trillion to 31 and a half trillion dollars. Where is the end of it? And there's been no mechanism in sight to rein that in. At least we have a mechanism now. And then, of course, on CNN, we have what I think can can be easily described as the interview with the man who really was the pivot point throughout all this. Chip Roy, who. All right. I focus so much on national politics. Sometimes I I forget where my keys are, let alone who my representative is. Chip Roy is my representative. (laughs) I did not know that until literally today when I was like, oh, Chip Roy of Texas. I wonder where he represents. Literally me. Literally in, in my neighborhood. I live in South Austin. He represents South Austin down through, uh, San Antonio. But Chip Roy is the man that broke the stalemate here. There were 20 Rebel Alliance, and then Chip Roy went and negotiated. When he flipped with 13, that was the beginning of the end. It shows showed that there was momentum for McCarthy, which he had not demonstrated. It apparently netted enough of a haul that it brought the rest along. Chip Roy on CNN describing why the fight was necessary. Well, first of all, uh, you know, let's remember that uh, a little temporary conflict is necessary in this town in order to stop this town from rolling over the American people. I don't think anybody uh, on either side of the aisle could uh, say with a straight face that they think that Washington is doing uh, good work for the American people on a regular basis and isn't broken. Uh, it, we, we have to work to fix this place. And look, some of the tensions you saw on display uh, when we saw some of the, you know, the interactions there between Mike Rogers and Matt Gates. Uh, You know, some of that is we need a little of that. We need a little of this sort of breaking the glass in order to get us to the table in order to fight for the American people and to change the way this place is dysfunctional. So this all started going back last summer. We wanted rules to open this place up. We wanted more transparency. We wanted more openness, more ability to add uh, amendments to the floor. So, for example, you ask, what else did we get? We got amendments to be able to. I'm sorry. We got the ability to offer amendments on the floor of the House during appropriations. Uh, that will open it up again. 
We haven't done that. So since I've been in Congress, I've not been able to offer an amendment on the floor. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a, an amendment offered in open debate since May of 2016. Is it a free-for-all, change- like anyone can offer an amendment? Absolutely, in appropriations. Uh, we will also be striving for more open rules. Uh, we put uh, more uh, conservatives, uh, some Freedom Caucus members, and we're, we're still working through who those will be on the Rules Committee, the Powerful Rules Committee, which is the funnel by which legislation gets to the floor of the House. Um, but importantly, we were trying to stand up for rank-and-file members because too often, and we saw this in, in December, uh, too often bills are cooked up with a handful of people. They're brought through to the Rules Committee, jammed through, put on the floor, and you have to vote yes or no. The American people are tired of that. We need to be able to see some of the stuff we got to see this week. You and I were talking ahead of time. Cameras, because C-SPAN control the cameras. Do you, are you in favor of that? Because I love these C-SPAN cameras. I, look, I, I think drawing the American people into the conversations, the debate on the floor. I mean, if you're going to have cameras there, well, let's look at the action. Let's see. So you're in favor of transparency. C-SPAN, C-SPAN gets to control it. Well, I would. I, I, let me go look into the you know ins and outs of all of that. But I think it is what the American people were able to see unfold on the floor was a good thing for our democracy and our republic, right? It was a good thing for people to be able to see the inner workings. And this isn't just a shirts and skins, red and blue, you know, two-team thing. This is history because this hasn't happened in the last hundred years. But understand why that's so. Two-party entrenchment has made it to where we don't have a good back and forth yeah. to sit at the table and try to accomplish this. So, and so we come to the end of the wild ride. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that golden era of suspense television. You guys know what I'm talking about. This was like the the the, the 2010s. Probably the two best, in my opinion, Breaking Bad and The Americans. Two shows where almost it felt like every single episode, the main characters were placed in an impossible position within the first scene of, of the episode. They have to beg, borrow, steal, often kill to make sure that they survive till tomorrow, that they're not found out immediately but in the process, make deals or cross lines that have only gotten them into bigger trouble. And yet, they persist. That is what Kevin McCarthy reminds me of. Because holy crap, did it seem like he was dead to rights through that process. Holy crap, did he beg, borrow, and steal, and possibly step on some toes, because we still don't know everything that was promised behind closed doors. And holy crap, do I believe he is going to get got very, very, very soon. But you can only imagine Kevin McCarthy looking incredulous at his haters, saying, A man becomes Speaker of the House. One person walks up and tries to vacate him. And you think that of me? I am the one who vacates. Vacates doubters. Vacates opposition. Vacates the naysayers. Kevin McCarthy is king of the day. If only until tomorrow. The end. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.